As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting normally out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus, Canada, Milky Way Galaxy, etc., etc. I am Jack, and I'm joined by the probably sweaty and mosquito-bitten and possibly Lyme disease afflicted at this point, Joel. Just a little Lyme disease, you know? It's a healthy amount. It gives your body the necessary uh, antibodies to fight Lyme disease in the future. Disease. Yeah. And you can make Corona or Cuba Libres. I don't know what you're talking about now. Just the right amount of lime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I did make myself a drink before um, sitting down. This uh-huh. is uh, Cabot Trail Cream Liqueur. Okay. And... Ice. All right. So is this is this like a Bailey's type situation, or is it something? It's, it's exactly Bailey's, but it's like maple from. Um, yeah. Quebec. There's a. I've never liked Bailey's or the cream liqueurs. It's. I've always thought it's like a good way to ruin both. I'd. I'd much rather just have whiskey, or I'd much rather just have some sort of. Uh, like chocolate milk or creamy drink. It's it's the same reason why when people put whiskey and coffee or vodka and something that's not like a deliberate mixer, uh, or like some sort of um, I, I guess coffee and tea are the two main culprits that it, I just find a very jarring flavor. That just like ugh, you've ruined both. What's the point of doing this? <laughs> yep. Anyway, Android Engine is is a show about uh, drinking, but I think it's good on its own. I think it's just delicious on its own. Well, that was Kayla's, uh, not that, but Bailey's. That was one of her um, aperitifs, digestifs, I guess. A digestif, just a bit of Bailey's on the rocks. So, mm, yeah, delish. Uh, Joel, what are you playing recently? I'm playing a lot of games. I've played a fair bit. Uh, let's talk about, I mean, I've played a lot of DC and I've played a lot of, uh, you know, um, exit games and all these classics that we've talked about before so let's just talk about what, what i haven't played before the new games the sure. the, the learned dead learned a dead uh there, there's uh i played an 18xx without any of the trains or economics okay it was called the last spike I, for the record, when I saw Last Spike, I, I did not understand any of the pictures whatsoever. It looked deeply confusing to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of, uh, it's just railing, really. Uh, but it's kind of cool. I know that we played, like, basically a clone of it in your backyard. I can't remember what it was called. But, um, Are you thinking of Northern Pacific? I think so. It's like you're just kind of laying train across, and then it pays. If I can't remember when it pays. No, I'm not really sure. Anyway, please I remember people like sharing like a certain location. Yeah, that yeah. was Northern Pacific. It's yeah, Northern it Pacific. only you only get paid if the station if the train goes there. Yeah. Okay. So in this one, the train just doesn't go. 
because there is no train. But basically, it's any time you link up a route, the uh, the land claims of the cities bordering the route both pay. Or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's all. I guess it's always just two cities. So pretty simple stuff. Uh, it's kind of like basically you 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 pay to lay the track, and then you pay. And then you can pick any land claim of any of the cities on the map. So you're just kind of trying to work out your economics where you won't go broke because you can just buy stuff and then run out of money. And then as soon as you run out of money, you actually have to put a land claim back in order to pay for your track. And the land claim is the only way you get money. Uh So you don't want to run out of money. So you want to pick cities that you think will pay out sooner based off of like the track that's been laid down. But you also kind of want to invest. There's certain. There's one right in the middle. I think it's Denver, which has like four different cities going to it. Mm-hmm. So it, the probability of it paying out, it could pay out four times, whereas everything else only has two links, can only pay out twice, or some of them sure. have three. But you know, once the link is complete from west to east, game's over. So it could also pay out zero times. Mm-hmm. You could end up building all of these routes. Uh, and have just a bunch of useless land claims. And the thing is, is it's kind of like uh, I can't think. I can't think of a game where it matches. But there's lots of games like this where the first one is the cheapest, and then after that, it gets exponentially more expensive to yeah get the thing. Yeah. So you're getting the same thing. I can think agricole agricole is an example where like if you buy the oven, you pay four, and then the next person that buys the oven will pay five. Yeah. Um, so, you know, digging deeper into a stock, I guess it's not really a stock, it's a land claim, um, is risky because you might not get any money back, but they're also worth more and more as they go further on. So if you have like three of them, they might be worth 14,000. If you have four of them, they might be worth 30,000. It's like a set collection. Okay. But other people will obviously like keep you out from collecting all of them. And it's semi-cooperative because you still got to think about, well, if I take, if, if you were to get all of Denver's land claims, great. But do you think anybody's going to help you get to Denver at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to make any money out of it, so they're going to cut it out. So it's interesting. So that was the first game I played. How oh, about hold you on, hold give on. It you're, a go? You're, you're blasting past this. It's like, so how long did it take to learn? uh did you did you enjoy it would you recommend it 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 sounds like you're what you're describing is like like taking northern pacific as far because i obviously haven't played last bike but taking the concept of northern pacific of just like everyone kind of putting stuff down and hoping shit's going to get to where you want it to go so you get paid out um so there's this sort of game theorying and timing of doing things and trying to create this incentive to get people to come with you but you don't want to give them too much incentive to screw you and you also want to be the one profiting because there's no point just like in a regular 18xx like if if you're splitting a company amongst everyone then you're not winning you're just holding the you're just running the company whilst everyone else gets paid so true true so, but what are your thoughts on, on Last Spike? Uh, so it's very easy to learn. Basically, you just pick a tile, play it, and then you buy a line claim. That's okay. the entire functions of the game. So that part's pretty easy. Um, 
the aesthetics are pretty nice although the box is, is like for some reason like it looks like a little cardboard shipping box like it's really ugly but uh like it comes in a nice box and then inside is this cardboard shipping box <laughs> um but whatever who cares right? it's definitely got an ugly art style that i think if they'd spent a bit more time on it they might get to me i look at it and i think oh my god is this some busted like game from 1995 that's just not not gonna play right but some people love it yeah yeah the art style is kind of crap and you know it kind of feels like um lords of vegas maybe okay sure in the sort of like buying random things and hoping they pay Right, but Lords of Vegas is like pure chance whether or not it uh, it pays or not. Whereas this one is more, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more control over your fate. More, yeah, you have more control over your fate. We can say. Okay, so uh, learning is easy. the 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 production is so so. Uh, did you enjoy it, and do you recommend it? Yeah, I think it's an easy enough game, and it kind of introduces a few concepts to a you know a genre that we like. So I would say that play it once or twice, and if you enjoy it, maybe branch out into some more interesting games. I mean, more complicated games. Well, it, actually, look, I'm I'm seeing you the go picture. straight from there to 1849. The I'm seeing a different piece of art on here. The nice thought I saw looks a little more attractive. Um, it, it's forty six bucks and sold out on Board Game Bliss. Do you think that feels like an appropriate price? Yeah, I think it's like kind of a a grail. Actually, it's kind of out of print or something. Okay. So sure. All right. So I have one other. I'll <laughs> I talk recommend about, a game but... that can. <laughs> yeah, Joel will give it a solid six out of nine rail strikes, rail spikes. Six <laughs> okay. out of ten. Yeah, sure. Please. Not be too generous, because you know. Yeah, yeah. We are our reputations on the line here. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I've got another one, but how about you go and we'll jump back and forth? That sounds like fun. Um, I the, the issue is I haven't I have nothing really new to offer. I, I have experiences that uh, I'll, I'll just keep going with the training theme right now because I got sure. to play Game Eighteen Max recently with two brand new players. Um, I, I don't think either are friends of the show, but they're friends. And um, I've been eager to introduce one of them, especially to uh, the the 18xx genre for a while. Or um, and it was, um, it, and I was super impressed with how quickly they took to the game. And it really reinforced what I was considering that the the, the greatest description of a game you can give is rules light, uh, but strategy heavy or tactics heavy. That that's the that's the best thing I can ever hear because. The second game I'll talk about is the exact opposite, I think. But we'll see. Um, but uh, we got to play it start to finish. It went way longer than I expected. But you have two newbies, so basically add a bunch of time to the the learning game. And uh, overall, it's like, I don't think I've ever had a bad time playing any of these games. And uh, this was no exception. And it was nice to see some moves being made, um, especially... Uh, our one friend uh, tried to get, I think he got a little too clever for himself and he, he dumped a company that was too viable on me. Um, and it uh, wasn't, dummy it, had a nice train. It, it had three trains that were going to last a while. And huh. so it was just kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use this to print some money for a bit. Yeah, the heart was in the right place, but it just wasn't the right time or the right to, the move at the time but it was nice to see baby's like, first company dump <laughs> baby's first company dump. well you know it wasn't even anyway either way it was it was nice to see 
And uh, we went on and uh, played through to completion. We ended it with a $200 stock price, even though I don't think the bank would have survived another uh, set of ORs either. So either way, it worked out. And um, it, it, it's funny how you're talking about the last spike and we've got this this kind of experience here because it's nice to have... It's it's tough to go in two different directions because you're not, you're not always going to have three to six hours to play some of these longer games and you're not always going to be with people who have the patience for that stuff. Uh, so it's nice to have lighter fare to kind of throw at them and or th bring out and also and enjoy. But it, it's one of the troubles, Joel, when you when you've tasted the pure uh, <laughs> cut Colombian stuff, it's tough to go back to the uh, the cut uh, the baking powder, <laughs> it's, uh, baking soda, whatever. Um, but it, it's fine at parties, I guess, or uh, <laughs> when you're not when you don't have tons of time to spare. So anyway, Max continues to be, I think, my go to, even though. Um, I was I, I've been angling to get 1830 out just to to see how it's holding up these days. But yeah, because I think 1830 still holds up. I think I'd love to play it again. But I think the way I think the thing we got to do with 1830, and I'll let you go on after this, is that you have to play it so aggressively that bankruptcy is always a threat. It's always mm, because like it. the the more I read about, it, the more people say uh, it, it doesn't go on too long because people go bankrupt so fast in it. And Am I wrong in that we've never had a bankruptcy? No, we've never had a bankruptcy because I don't understand how it can work. Because you can, if you sell down shares, you're always going to end up. Well, you're you not going to win. Out of shares. You just you're going to run out of shares, and you're going to end up. Well, anyway, whatever. It's it's. I, I don't believe it, but I think maybe when people are playing so fast and loose, and maybe they're selling shares so rapidly to start new companies, they just don't even have the shares to sell. Let's do it. Companies. Let's so, play like. 1830 but go deliberately insanely reckless who cares who wins let's just try to get some just try to go bankrupt <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just don't get it it's like it bust must... or bust <laughs> well yeah that's a good point <laughs> anyway that was mine so what's your what's your next game joel well before i dive into my next new game i just want to say that i taught two games to jason over mm -hmm. the camping trip one was Raiders of the North Sea. Yep. Well, I guess I also taught him how to play an exit game. And yep. then I also taught him Meadow. And he absolutely loved Raiders. Yeah. Went nuts for it. Really liked the mechanics and really thought it was a lot better than Champions of Midgard as well. Mm -hmm. um, hated Meadow. Oh! Absolutely despised it. Wow. What a visceral reaction. Thought it was too brain burny, too complicated. Woo. Too complicated. Yeah. Huh. I I don't know if he if he was just not feeling it or what, but yeah, yeah. like he he played it really well. He got like almost double my score, but he was just not having fun. I, I Wait, guess what time was, was this? Too much choice for him. It was like midday, you know. It was kind okay. of like the two o'clock board game that we had <laughs> every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. So it was it wasn't anything like he wanted to learn it. Yeah, but I don't know. He's just he felt like there were too many choices in the. Choices were too hard. That's in, that's entirely fair. It just feels like that's what you're looking for in games, though. Is I I want difficult yeah. choices. I want meaningful choices. I don't want like you, you can I can sympathize with the the feeling of helplessness or being paralyzed when there are just a million good choices available to you and or and you're just trying to make the best. But that's it, it's interesting. For him to say that because it, he's never struck me as somebody who's like that and um, I, I'm really interested because I never found that with Meadow especially I didn't think it was that 
I think it's it's a little brain burning. I agree with that completely, but I think maybe it's it, the more you play it, the more it just makes it seems intuitive. Mine, like, because my I think when we played it, what got me was the it, it felt like um, I was having trouble visualizing the sequence from this card to the next card to that card. The yeah, the, the it's kind of hard to them. hard to see your direction. Yeah, it just it was is a little opaque to me versus like something like Splendor, let's say, where it's clear. It's like okay, well, I need a lot of this to get to that, and uh, yeah. I think maybe I think, a lot of it has to do with the card layout or the design. I think he did it perfectly right in that, like, it's attractive to go for all these cards that get you points, but at the beginning, like, you're limited to ten bases for a reason, and that's because yeah. the ten prerequisites that you have, and then when you're losing them, you don't really mind so much, right? It's not like you're uh, you're cutting yourself through a narrow pathway. So I think he did a really good choice, and I kind of told him that it was a good play from last time. And then he just used it. Was to get those ground cards, you know, because a ground card A you can always lay, and B it's just expanding your options. And then all of a sudden, when winter comes around, you've got tons, of, tons, and tons of um, flexibility. Yeah, it, I'd have to play it again to get a better feel of what you're describing, but um, it, it it's definitely it's I think. The problem is Meadow's in that weird middle ground of it's not super heavy, but it's heavier than most. Like it's firmly a middleweight, but I I would have a hard time recommending it to a lot of people because I think it is it it is just a step up in terms of complicated from your average tableau builder. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot going on, at least at first glance, too. It's a really pretty game, but at the same time it's like one of those there's a lot of games a lot like this that I like more. You know, like it's kind of like the, the victim for me. Like, I know you really liked it, but I wasn't crazy about Reef because Reef was a lot like Splendor and it was a lot like Azul. And I liked those games better. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Meadow is a lot like Mariposas and it's a lot like Wingspan. Mm-hmm. And I like those games better. And I would even say Mariposas is a lot like Wingspan. I think it better. So in those cases, like both those games just lose out. Yeah. Outright. In that, like, I'll play it once or twice, and I that was kind of nice, but you know, I don't think I would like go to it. Mm-hmm. Well, the other part too is that how for some games it, it also it can be one of the most fun games in the world, and you love it to death. But it, there's an accessibility issue too. And do you think you could get Meadow on the table and set up quickly and play it quickly, or do you think it's kind of like? If I said, Joel, let's do you want what do you feel like playing? You kinda of look at the shelf, you see meadow, it's like, uh I don't know if I like the game enough to set it up and just play it. The setup is really quick because all the cards have these little wheelbarrows that they stay in in the box. Mm-hmm. So you just kinda of throw them out, shuffle them and lay them on a board. I think the setup is fine, but it's still like I'm still not like eager to play. Okay. It. That's the problem. I think like if I were to be like really like like razor's edge cutting games in my collection i would sell mariposas and meadow oh really after one play of each interesting i guess Um, two plays of meadow now but the new game sorry no no please go on i was just all i was gonna say is that i know you played mariposas a while ago and i remember when it came when it was announced there was a little bit of buzz about it but I, i didn't hear a word not a bloody thing about it after it came out and it kind of just was one of these things it's like I I don't think it's a bad game that I, that not that I've heard, but it's just like everyone's just kind of like, yeah, nah. 
Wingspan. How about Wingspan, everybody? Do you yeah. Want to play well, it was just like all of the buzz was related to the fact that Elizabeth Hargraves was making it, mm. and everybody loved Wingspan. So, just because her name was on it didn't make it a good game, and yeah. it was an okay game. But I think her partner is an etymologist or something like that, and so he was really into the the butterfly theme, and I think she just kind of tacked a game into it. It didn't feel like a game; it just kind of felt like. Hey, you want to learn about the migratory patterns of butterflies? <laughs> no, not really. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. Oh, cool. Like they like different flowers. That's nice. I saw the IMAX like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, it's edutainment for sure. That's, there's nothing wrong with that too. And to some uh, degree, it, uh, it's it's just interesting. Jason's response to Meadow is kind of intriguing to me because. Um, Mm-hmm. You have to ask him more about it because he was just kind of like, just like, this is, I don't like. And he went crazy for Raiders, which, like, isn't necessarily less complicated. Maybe it just gels better and maybe it has a more of a, a dopamine hit when things happen and you can see stuff being. Although, like, Meadow literally has you building this landscape in front of you, which felt kind of cozy. So I don't know. What Everybody loves Raiders. a good worker placement. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> No, it's fine. I I like action selection. Uh, okay. So he said, and you said he was like rushing out to buy raiders, like or put oh, yeah. in order, like ASAP, right? ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I a just huge bought it. That kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Put it in the cart. Um, the new game. I think you know, and I and you had like a really glowing review of it on, uh, or at least a like glowing comment when I uh, announced that I had played it. King Chocolate? Which kind of surprised me, yeah. King Chocolate. Like yeah. You said like people can see it as, as dry, but it's one of your favorite economic systems or something like no, that? No, no, I, it's, it's, I, I like it, um, but I know why. It's, it's, it's underrated because it's extremely dry, and it, it's, it's, you have to work together, and it, it's a weird-looking game, and it's not totally opaque in strategy, but I think it's, it's... There are only two games I think I have, and the one of which is almost identical to it, almost in theme and, and practice. Minus, like I was saying, the Wallace games, in terms mm. of like setting up these trails and logistics, and it's like, well, you can set it up, you can't do it from start to finish. You're going to have to rely on other people to help you, and vice versa. So just be mm. careful about whether you're helping them more than they're helping you. But sorry, please go on, but uh, King Chocolate. Uh, other people kind of thought it was a little unfair, so I'll, first I'll introduce the game, and then I'll explain why. Yeah. So... King Chocolate is a game about the production stages of chocolate. That's the theme. And basically, when you produce chocolate, anytime your tiles, as in the tiles your meeples are sitting on, um, are have chocolate moved onto them, uh, you gain money. You get paid mm-hmm. one per chocolate. Um, and chocolate is represented in its various stages by cubes. And the cubes move uh, from stage one, which is seeds, I think, or pods or something like that. Yeah, the actual to, like, fruit. To two, to three, to four, to five, to six, and then off the board. And six being chocolate and everything else being, you know, like roasting and trying and whatever else you do with chocolate i don't remember yeah. anymore yeah, yeah. But there's six stages so it teaches you it's entertainment in some degree um about the stages of chocolate production and basically what you do on on your turns first thing you have to do is lay down a tile 
And the tile has two parts, and one will be one stage, and one will be another stage. Mm. So in laying this tile, you can either expand an area that's maybe yours or one that you want to go on to, or even expand an ally's area if you're trying, or not an ally, an opponent's area if you want them to be able to produce more in a single go, right? Because basically you're limited by the number of tiles or double tiles uh, in that how many cubes you can move on to a space of a type. So, mm-hmm. like, let's say the threes are kind of growing out. You see the threes are like five big. But you have a two space, and the two space is six big. So you can produce six things. And then you can't move them all to the next stage, and it's kind of frustrating. So maybe you expand theirs by one, and then they can also have six, and then you can move the cubes six to six, and then get this nice big production line going. If everybody cooperated perfectly, that might be how it worked. But usually, tiles are either used to expand your own space or cut off other people's spaces. Yeah. And there was a lot of cutting off involved where it was like, <laughs> so you guys... oh, you're at five. Well, oh, you're not expanding anymore, right? They just like wall it <laughs> off, which was fine. We didn't make a lot, but uh, we learned about uh, competitive economies. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. I'm all about economies of scale. You know, I wanted to see some massive runs. And so yeah. I was trying to get everybody up to eight and then we could just blow through and all make eight dollars on every one of our stages but people weren't up for that and the reason they weren't up for that was i had a corner on fives and sixes Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll get into that in a second but basically the next part of your turn is you get to take two actions i think maybe three three actions but one of them is almost always drawing a tile because if you're ever out of tiles you basically draw a tile place a tile and lose your turn Mm. so the actions you can take are either um, at the beginning, you have meeples off the board, and you can uh, pick pick an area, put your meeple on there, and then poof, it fills up with whatever stage it's at, and you get some money. Mm-hmm. And after that, you can do what's called production, which is to move from ones to twos, twos to threes, threes to fours, fours to fives, fives to sixes. And when you're moving, whoever's whoever's meeple is on that space gets the money but if nobody's on it you get the money so you get these kind of added things where you're trying to like throw out neutral spots that nobody's on mm-hmm. and then exploit those and and, and keep people f- keep opponents from profiting off your actions really cool and then the third action you have available to you is draw a tile which you have to do because like game I said, ends when if you run out of tiles you're screwed yeah so one of the things I really enjoyed doing was taking my turn when there when there wasn't much out there and there wasn't much to do to just draw three tiles and then I didn't have to think about drawing tiles for a while and I also had a little more choice in the tile placement depending on what the situation was. And then the then, then the other thing that I liked doing was that I what I realized is you're always moving from a space to a space except for when the space is a six. And when the space is a six, you don't have to help anybody but yourself. You just take that stuff off and you collect the money, right? Uh, so, it's been a while, I, I believe you, though. <laughs> yeah, well, the process is you put them onto ones and then you move through the numbers yeah. and then you remove them from the sixes. And when you put them back in the pool from the sixes, whoever removed them from the sixes, or sorry, whoever controls the sixes, 
gets the money. So I thought, what a sweet deal. If you control the sixes, right, the chocolate, the finished product, um, anytime tiles move, not only are all tiles heading towards you or all cubes, but also once those cubes are removed, you don't have to place them on someone else's who's going to profit. You just take the money and walk away. So I cornered the sixes and then I figured, you know, why not? Why not also corner the fives? Create like a little funnel for myself. And everyone, Jason and Sam, I think critiqued the game in general because they considered that unfair. In the in the sense that whoever has the fives and sixes actually gets the entire tail end of the cubes. All the cubes end up on their spaces. Uh, whereas everywhere else, you know, going through the ones, twos, threes, fours, um, you can take any number of paths. I don't know if, if it was accurate or not. There might be something there to fives and sixes being a bit stronger than the other numbers. What Do you do you remember the game enough to to, to have a thought I, I on that? I don't remember the, that's, the aspect of the strategy, but just thinking about the game in general, I don't understand why it's any... What I like, so what you got to go to the sixes, so what's you got to go to the fives, like you got to go everywhere else, too. So I don't see how it's stronger or weaker than cornering another type of tile anywhere else and just cutting people off. Or, um, I mean, if it's you could argue it's a degenerate strategy if you if one person, so I don't know why they let you get sixes and fives entirely. The other Uh, question, and I mean, I can mention that Sam did attempt. To create a rival six empire, yeah, uh, which I promptly closed off at three with right. my pile blocking. <laughs> yeah, so it's so like nobody it... wanted to waste their turn making three dollars, right? Yeah, going that way, and then um, because she had made those attempts, she kind of got stuck where she was like kind of moving things along in her own little private valley Mm -hmm. uh, avoiding you know giving money to other people but then she's making three dollars per move whereas yes i'm giving jason seven dollars per move i'm also making it myself so we ended up making like fourteen dollars a turn where she was making six so yeah it's funny because you need to participate in the market yeah and that's kind of the whole the that was my memory of the game and like i said it's been a long time since um i played but it, it's it that's what kind of appealed to me is the idea of the the so uh, ignoring like your your issue with let's say cornering something that's what was intriguing to me was that the i like games that give you like they can take you you can go 70 percent of the way by yourself if players are going to let you but you you're gonna have to rely on them for the other 30 percent that's missing of your uh of your engine or your your little rail track or whatever so it's kind of funny that you we were talking about Northern Pacific and maybe last spike to an extent and other 18 XXs and things where it's like, there's this communal aspect to a lot of these games. And if you let somebody, uh, and this doesn't really apply to 18 XX as much, but you want to hop in and you want to participate because if somebody is making a lot of money themselves and you're not making as much money, you're losing. And if you can make some money while they're making money and also even out the amount of money and tie it, so basically you're getting the same amount of points, so suddenly their little game is now tied with you, and if you can get a little side hustle going and you're making more money on that way than they are, it, it's all but just neutralizing people's points. And I don't know, I'm kind of I'm rambling here, but it's, it's, 
I just like the idea of, and this is what Martin Wallace does in so many of his games, is that whenever you do something, like let's say in Brass or Via Nebula or any other of his designs, that, like a lot of them at least, that when you open up resources, they're not yours. When you lay track, it's not yours. You're all sharing yeah. this stuff. So it, you got to consider the fact that you're, you're working with people, you're working with your opponents. And just like in 18XXs, like when you're laying track, your opponents can use that track too. So you got to think about it. And yeah. uh, upgrading stations, your opponents are using the same thing. So just make sure that you're profitable. With regard to the deep mechanics and stuff, the only thing you can think of is, and it's funny, while you were talking, I was just looking on the Board Game Geek page because it's just one to see. And uh, one of the guy's reviews was saying, Kingmaking is a serious factor in three plus player games. Mm. Yeah, I can um, see that. Just when saying, you don't have a chance. Well, and just like also the... Uh, What's he saying? Uh, inevitable in any sort of game where you pay others for their facilities. But the fact is that if you and an opponent control the two large groups of stage three and everyone always moves their cubes through your opponent's plant, you're not likely to win. This can be mitigated somewhat through proactive play, e.g. taking the action to pay others moves, pay other players and move cubes to your own plants or trying to monopolize a single stage. So right there, like a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I saw that a lot, actually, where Jason and Sam often had like two branches, like, oh, I've got a a bunch of twos and someone else has a bunch of twos and they were always going to each other and i was like hey you're leaving me out but then, <laughs> in the end you know i managed to switch over to the fives and sixes and yeah it, it's think. i i don't know it's i just think it's an extremely dry game and it'd be kind of tricky it is a little boring um, theme is boring like the the game looks a little boring oh it's ugly it's it's very weird it's got this strange tinting or color palette to it that it, i guess it simulates sort of jungles and it kind of reminds me more of coffee than anything but uh, yeah i don't know i i still think it's quite neat and it's often on sale and i if it's i don't know necessarily if i'd endorse paying 46 bucks for it which is yeah. almost the same price as uh, last spike if not the same but if you can get it on sale i don't see a single problem with paying like 30 bucks for this because i think it's yeah. very interesting i will say that sam kind of hated it and said she's never going to play it again Okay, but uh, I thought it was like okay enough to like give another go, yep. <laughs> which is an arousing endorsement. I'm, I'm, ex I'm describing a lot of games that were like okay, you know. You know that's perfectly fine. Like that's we always say. Like if you have, walk away from a game saying it was okay, it was fine. It's like you don't have time for okay or fines. If you're not we seeing some Jesus. good, we know some good games, man. Speaking yeah. of really good games, um, that we really need to play again. What you were saying just now, like, had, gave me two thoughts. One was. You were talking about, you know, seeing somebody doing something really good. You know, like, for example, in uh, Pax Viking, where um, Michael was just getting eight bucks a turn yeah. on that one tile. And we just had to do something about it. Or I did. Well, I was uh, going to say, you said that was <laughs> nothing. Uh, but the other thing I was thinking about was an oath where... I was sitting at the as the chancellor, mm -hmm. and there was this tile. I think it was alchemist or something, and you were able to change secrets into a whole bunch of money. Yeah, the little right? operation going there. So you had a little operation going, and then other people were joining the operation, and I'm sitting there, you know, on my throne, like <laughs> wait, uh, wait, what's going tapping on my fingers and being like, "Hmm, <laughs> this will not do." So I had to get the wolves out in order to like just kill your card. Well, oh, that was annoying. <laughs> you know destroy the economy before everyone becomes too successful and is able yeah. to accomplish their dreams yeah uh, and i think that that was critical and i think that anytime you see somebody doing something that's a little too good and they've got a really good setup it should become a top priority for you yeah. to stop Disrupt that it. yeah 
and then move on with your life. Absolutely, right. and it's, it goes for anything. Any, like a worker placement and other games, too. It's like if you see somebody just taking an action repeatedly or bouncing back and forth between stuff, it's on you. And this is where some of these failures in these games come. It's like if you're playing in a two, like three, three plus player game, that puts one person at them in charge of stopping somebody, and that's where a lot of this king making aspect necessarily comes yeah, in. Yeah, because like, then the other person, the one like does it? you, like just can do whatever they want while I'm stomping down Michael. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it there. I think it's just when you get into situations where people aren't quite as good at a game or aren't doing it, or maybe they're on such a high level that they're like, "Why? Well, I'm going to make Jack have to tank his own game to stop Joel here. Cause I know he's got a weaker uh, disposition for this, tolerating this stuff. And I'm going to sit here, just drag him on heels and I'll, I'll, I'll accept the fact that uh, if that he'll do this and then I'll just swoop in and yeah. try to capitalize. It's so kind of a TI four thing or like, even I think, maybe a Pax Premier thing. I love in Pax Premier when somebody is like working real hard on getting a ton of money and getting a really nice control of a region and a nice army and completely miss the point. <laughs> Scoring. Yeah. Yep. Well, all right. Well, on on that note, let's do a musical break and we'll come back because uh, I've been playing a lot of Pax Premier lately and uh, we can have a little chat about that. So mm. stay tuned.
Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was um, Deepening Hyphae. Hypne? Hypae? I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. That's a weird one. Hyphen. Oh, thank you, Joel. From Delmac O's uh, new album, The Colony. Uh, Very strange. It's labeled Dungeon Synth. It's very strange stuff that's just like um, the artwork and all the song titles seems to deal with a foreign sort of like a uh, alien planet covered in mushrooms um, possibly mind bending mind controlling mushrooms like cordyceps those horrifying uh, ant para- uh, parasite mushrooms uh, either way it's um it's a it's a really good album unlike a lot of stuff and uh, sticks with you so highly recommend it uh so when we left we were talking about a bunch of stuff meadow 18 max king chocolate Last spike we've had. It's actually action-packed show. I really want to um, know how you've been playing a lot of packs from here. Is it online? Uh, no, I've I've been playing a two-player with Kayla. Oh, yeah. So La-dee-da. we. I've been trying to get her to play it for a while, and I think uh, we had this this moment here where I just like I basically just put on the table and it's like okay, we're playing this, and there's this there's this. this bit of resignation on her part because she knew i wanted to play it and she's like okay let's just do it and uh after a bit of a learning um growing pain with teaching the rules um we we played two games back to back because i i won on the first dominance check unchallenged which is an instant win at two player well i guess it'd be an instant win at any account if nobody is um nobody gets any other points so big deal but that was more, it was just a teaching game and immediately just start a fresh one and with the, the knowledge of how to play in hand. And Did since you get then, ahead by three? Uh, no, it's five points for if you're the number one player. With uh, So she had picked a different faction. She had no, um, she had no allegiance with them. So I just got five points. That was that. Game over. Wow. Oh, Wait, but that's, sorry. She got straight five points and you were behind by. No, no. So if you, if so, if you're up by five points more than the previous any other player, the game's over instantly. So if if there's a dominance check, and uh, let's say I had propped up the British. Oh, you don't support. Yeah, the other. She didn't support the British. She doesn't get any points. So she's so then it just went to that. So that was just how it works. So after that, um, that mistake was not repeated. And um, yep. since then, it's become like one of these games that we can set up, play within an hour, easy, and uh, and have a real fun time with. And um, so, like I was saying, we've been playing a fair bit of this. And um, it's it, you mentioned it when we were leaving with or before we went to music that uh, kind of this. And I guess this kind of theme of the show is this forced partnership, perhaps. And. Mm. Um, Paxmere does this teaming up, and Paxmere does this so perfectly that the idea of of trying to catch which way the winds are going, and either if the winds are so strong that you can't stop it, is to hop on and just hope for the best, uh, do your best. Or if you think it's enough of a gust that you can kind of slow down to so that no wind is the strongest, and just hope for that one, you do that too. But the uh, it, it, the more I play it, the the more I, I, I feel the game is just a, a, tr- a real contender for maybe a top 10 game of all time. Absolutely. It, it's, it's I'd so say it's in my top 10. 
Are you getting to know the cards real good now? Are you looking for cards? Be like, hey, there he is, Tim. No, Timothy but I do. Crawford. I do, yeah, if I see, I, I recognize certain cards, though. So I think that's a step up. That I guess certain... the events are a little easier to. Well, not even the events, but you, you are on the edge for the events. And I think knowing that, but they're, they are randomized. You're not going to see the same events every game. Like you're, <laughs> there are some that are going to be shuffled out. Uh, there are some fantastic cards and some that are objectively better than others. And there is a bit of luck um, that through no fault of your own, you can uh, purchase cards and a better card can show up and your opponent can just laugh at you and just grab it. And it's like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> there's nothing to do with me. But it just plays so nicely, so elegantly. There's so much deep strategy to it. Um, and we've had a couple of real cutthroat down to the last card, like could go either way uh, fights with the game. And wow. uh, it, it's remarkable to see. And it, it it's just totally different game because it's so zero sum at two players. Um, but at higher counts, it gets it gets wacky. And I think there is a bit of a king making problem as well at certain levels too but um mm -hmm. anyway that's that that was those are my thoughts on pax mirror and also it is impossible to teach new people so it's just like <laughs> don't unless I'll they're one patient, ready people to play i'll add one thing to pax premiere and i think it goes with a lot of these games because it's it's you can't control the economic economy of king chocolate you can't control what tiles people pick up and lay down in last spike you don't know which things are going to score. There's a lot of games out there, and there's a lot of strategy out there where it's kind of like, let's say Scythe, for example. Yeah. You want to play well by strategizing, and you have your resources in front of you and your actions to play, and everyone has that in different aspects of it, and everybody's trying to do it better. And those kind of games, you're building up, right? It's like getting your engine going. Uh, you hear things like uh, like getting your 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 forces out and something like mm -hmm. TI four or something. Those are games where like you you're trying to build up yourself. You're trying to out strategize everyone. Agriculture agriculture is another one. Um, but these games like Pax Premier and especially Pax Premier are games where you throw all that out the window because it's so you're kind of like just trying to figure out like i liked what you said would you figure out which way the wind is blowing you go you really you just got to be like water you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you're just going with the flow yeah and if yeah. you if you just get yourself in sync with the right group at the right moment and there's the there's the scoring card it's coming up and you have four bucks and you can pay for it it feels oh. good feels real good man yeah it's it, it is something else and i think the the only main barriers i can think of like i already said is the learning the rules is a pain it is such a simple simple game but it is so front-loaded like all of his bloody games that it, it's it it's it stops you from wanting to teach it or introduce the new people because it is so confusing and it will and you just got to pray to god that if you do get it and somebody does understand it that they just don't totally hate the experience and will come back because it, it is the definition of a game that rewards you for playing it more because uh, it opens up and you start to understand things and you start to really see the cards for what they are and get a feel for what they're doing and i'm not even saying i'm there yet like i've played it a, a bunch but i'm not i'm not a shark i'm not remotely on the level of like you're saying with y and john searching for cards and pax renaissance specifically not even like you can't even do that in pax Premier. so knock it off don't even do it but <laughs> don't it's a think it's, about it 
You just, like you're saying, go with the flow. That's that's the name of it. But you can be someone who does not go with the flow. And if you've got the spy engine and you've got Betray and you've got a bit of source of money, like, watch out. And when you play money, the over... Yeah. Playing the overthrow rule properly as well is something, and making sure you put the money in the right places. And if the, the only thing I'll say, and this is my the last little bit because we're going to run out of time here, yeah. if if somebody's got an economic engine, you got to do what you can to stop that ASAP. Because in games yeah. where you've got tons of cash, or the other person has tons of cash, or you have tons of cash, like money is the thing. Just like in real life, that's calling the tune or calling the shots, and. Yeah. It's flexibility and the ability to do what you want. And if you don't have it, you're screwed. And if the other person does have it, you're screwed again. So Yeah, and I will say that like in every PAX game I've ever played, it's never a bad idea to just get money. Yeah. Money is the way to get things done. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you need it. And it's 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 just so... It felt like it was difficult to get in PAX Renaissance. It was tighter. But then again, I didn't really know what I was doing in that. But in Premier, it's... If you've got a solid taxing engine going, then it's hilarious. And also, if you're taxing people properly, it's hilarious, too. <laughs> it's just like sitting there milking the money from them every time. Uh, and playing the suit game, like changing suits and maximizing actions. There's just there's so much going on with the game. And it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's a treasure. But it's also pretty expensive, too. And it's currently hard to get. I think the um, the the second printing or third printing of Pax Mirror Second Edition is dribbling onto the shelves i know a lot of stuff is kind of slow right now but if people if you can get a copy of it i highly recommend it but again it's not going to be for everyone and it takes it takes time to learn it but it, it's also gorgeous too like it, it's yeah. it's visually appealing once you get it on the table too just make sure you get the make sure you get the metal rupees it's not the same without oh, the metal rupees. best <laughs> like and if we're saying like oh it's hard to learn and like the manuals like it's gonna take some work. It's best, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna take some work for a game, maybe two, and then you have one of the best games that we've ever played and love the most forever. Yeah. So don't be a dummy and get intimidated. Just yeah. learn it, love it, and uh, and have a have a higher quality of life. That's, of no, that's I like that. I think that's great. All right, we're gonna end there. Don't be a dummy. Don't Good be advice. a dummy. JJB. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, um. <laughs> Android's Dungeon, CFRU 93.3 FM. You can check us out, CFRU.ca, all your favorite podcasting websites. Shoot us an email, droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at 80 Radio CFRU. And, uh, you know, join the Guelph Board Gaming Group. That's where uh, a lot of this stuff gets posted. It's almost like getting a preview of the show <laughs> a lot of the times because that's where that stuff's going to kind of show up later. So, Thank you for listening, and I hope everyone's enjoying their summer and not sweating too badly and not dying of Lyme disease. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Bye.